All right, it's time for the Bulls Boys podcast. Jeff, I'm sorry. Had to cut you off. The recorder's going means we've got to go. Um, I'm Ryan. That's Jeff. We're the Bulls Boys. We're still going with that. Uh, yeah. That, that name, we're not going to go with anything a little bit uh, more heterosexual? No, and uh, I just want to say, I was going to say before you cut me off there, is that I actually played, the, because I had to do a podcast episode for my uh, assignment in my grad school class at DePaul, and uh, and uh, my instructor kind of took a little offense to uh, you making the uh, homosexual comment at the start of the last episode, because I actually played in class, I forgot all about the comments. Oh, I don't know, uh-oh, that's down, trouble. So. I, oh, that's not so, good. Uh, I, I, I don't know, but maybe we should back off on the sexual orientation comments going forward. All, all, in, all for fun, Jeff, all for fun. Okay, let's get into the podcast. Let's talk about uh, what we have going on here to today. Going back to uh, we're at the All-Star break. The Bulls have a four-game winning streak going into the All-Star break. I uh, have a lot of good momentum. Uh, what's what's impressed you the most? I think it's just the fact that they have Mike Dunleavy on the roster. They got a, a, a nice starting five. Kirk Heinrich not playing. Maybe that's a good thing. He's coming back tonight as they take on the Pistons. But um, I, I think that they have the momentum going. They're gelling. And that, of course, Derrick Rose is playing a little bit more like Derrick Rose. Anything pop out there to you, Jeff? Well, I think it all depends on who you look at. Uh, Mike Dunleavy, obviously not the loudest player on the team. He is still consistent in how he plays, though. And that seems to be the cog that is holding the Bulls' starting five together. And that starting five has not been together a whole lot this season. But when they have, they have been uh, a very unbeatable, the starting five being Rose, Butler, Dunleavy, Gasol, and Noah. Um, I mean, you have Rose, who is still the most talented player on the team, and the Bulls' uh, success this season is going to largely depend on him. Butler having an all-star season. Gasol averaging a double-double, and he, he's pretty much good for a bunch of them uh, in a row because he has like 16 or 17 in a row going into tonight's game against Detroit. Uh, Joakim Noah, the reigning defensive player of the year, but still laboring for that offseason knee surgery. He's having his uh, difficulties. I mean, believe it or not, he's actually averaging slightly higher for the rebounds than he is for his career. Uh 9.7 versus 9.4, but still, as the emotional leader of this team and him laboring, yeah. you, know, you're, you have to be concerned about that. But he's not, he's, he's, not, he's not getting the, the jokey node type rebounding numbers. I mean, and I, I agree. I mean, you look at the numbers, they're improved overall throughout his career, but you know, we're talking Noah of the past couple of years. He's definitely not playing up to that level, which he doesn't have to. If you look at the Bulls team, they have so many other people that can play. For me, you look at the past couple of weeks, and it's pretty simple. And the bull, and it's like this for a lot of teams. I mean, you watched the LA Clippers last night. They're a great example of a team that really lives and dies by how well they shoot. I think that's really the thing for the Bulls. If they shoot well, they're in great shape because they're going to get up shots. They're going to get offensive rebounds. They're going to get second chance opportunities. When their shot is not going, it's not a team that can really succeed at a high level. And I think over the past couple of weeks. They're taking smarter shots. They're taking more efficient shots. They're running their offense through Powell and Rose getting to the bucket, and it's paying uh, It's paying off for them. But you have to consider this. It depends on what kind of shots they are taking. If they're uh, moving more towards a perimeter game, then they're not going to win. Derrick Rose taking a bunch of three-point shots this year and missing more often than not seems to be the prime example of that. 
Um, uh, you know, Paul Gasol, he is more comfortable shooting in the post, which is something he really didn't get to do a whole lot of during his last season or two in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, he can drive. Uh, Taj Gibson, he can score in the post. Uh, Mike Dunleavy, he's uh, one of their better long-range shooters, although not their best shooter. But I think it all depends on how well these guys can perform to their offensive abilities in the sense that uh, if they're taking the shots that they know they can make, then the Bulls are going to succeed. But if they're being forced into uncomfortable positions, uh, uh, such as Derrick Rose shooting from the outside, and that may be attributed to him being a little more timid for a lot of the season, uh, uh, then it's not an optimal position for them. Uh, I, I think it all depends on how you let your team dictate the pace of the game if you let your team dictate the pace yeah. of the game because it seems like that when the Bulls do not do that then they are forced themselves into taking shots they normally would not take and that forces them to causes them rather to fall further behind and I think that when you take a look at when the Bulls have succeeded this year it's often been because they're finding open shots or making the smart passes and they are slowing the pace down, but uh, but they don't drag. That's the main thing. They don't have a run-and-gun offense. They look for that open shot until they find somebody who's open enough to get a good opportunity. Like they can't move too fast, but they can't move too slow. They need to find that middle ground, and I think that's the best pace at which they can move. Let's look at every player in the Bulls like regular rotation. We'll dedicate our podcast to this. One thing you want to see them do well in the second half of the season, what is the key for this particular player to be good in half number two of the NBA regular season? Let's start with Derrick Rose. Uh, to me, I think, number one, we just touched on it. He can't shoot bad shots. I like Derek shooting a lot of shots. I like him getting shots up. I like him still getting the assist numbers. We see when he's up between 7 and 10 assists, the Bulls are much better. But I like him shooting, getting shots up. I don't like bad shots. I don't like threes. And I think every single Bulls fan probably agrees. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, Derek Rose has said time and time again that he is going to keep shooting because that could be a way that he's getting his confidence back. And if he is getting his confidence back, then that's great. More power to him. But it cannot come at the expense of the Bulls winning games because the Bulls, they have, I hate to say it, they've kind of dug themselves into a little bit of a hole about not being the second seed at least. I mean, it's way it would probably be the first seed anyway if the Bulls have been playing well completely up to this point. But I think Rose, you know, he thrives on his athleticism and he thrives on making smart passes. But, but most importantly, he thrives on getting to the hoop as quickly as possible. We saw glimpses of that when the Bulls played Cleveland last a week ago. That was their last game. Uh, I think that Rose has to you know, find a way to... Uh, uh, go back to what he was. Um, Penny Hardaway, uh, in an interview, he said that Rose is more like at 70, 75% the player he was. And if Rose can be at least a majority of the player that won MVP a few years ago, then the Bulls will have a better chance to succeed. And again, it all depends on whether or not he's making those smart yeah. uh, decisions. And um, you know, Nick Young of the Lakers, he had a shooting slump about a month ago, and he simply tweeted out, shooters keep shooting. And uh, for my uh, blog for my class about NBA players tweeting, I kind of touched on that. Um, if, if shooters keep shooting to get out of slumps, that's fine. But 
the thing is, Rose is not a natural shooter. I mean, he can try and reinvent himself as a shooter, but he needs to find some sort of way to uh, balance out between what he does yeah. best, which is uh, getting to the hoop and uh, driving attempts and also uh, uh, shooting when he's open. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, what is it for him? Is it a matter of just staying healthy? Is it a matter of playing consistently? Uh, for me, Jimmy, what I like to see in half number two, his offensive numbers were fantastic in the first half. And we're talking nearly 20 points a game. I uh, led the Bulls in scoring after really not being a major offensive weapon the past couple years. I really want to see from Jimmy uh, the defense that he had last year come back in the, the second half. If he can be that all-NBA second-team defender, the Bulls are going to be in great shape in my opinion and I want to see Jimmy do that and I think it comes at a couple positions in the game for Butler his off the ball defense has been fine when the opposing player has a ball he's been fine it's when he has to work around let's say a pick and roll or he has to guard a guy in transition he hasn't been the Jimmy that we saw and we've seen in the past and to me I want to see that change well Jimmy Butler's offensive search in the first couple months of the season forced teams to planned for him, and for the most part, they have been successful, but obviously it wasn't enough to prevent him from going to the All-Star game, and it's great that he went to the All-Star game. It's, I think he deserved it, um, although he was so unloaded by that shoulder injury. But I think this kind of goes back to how the Bulls have performed all season. Uh, yes, Jimmy Butler is improved on offense. Yes, the Bulls themselves are improved on offense, but it seems like a lot of that has come at the expense of Butler's defense and the Bulls' defense. Because for the past couple of years, Butler was just locked down yeah. uh, uh, every game on defense. He would just stare his opponent in the eye. And, you know, if he was driving, he would follow him to the best of his abilities. And I know if his opponent beat him, then uh, so what? At least he uh, was able to stick with it for an extended period. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. We've seen more of a guy who has been settling for his offense and trying to let that dictate his post uh, or uh, his position in the game. What he needs to do is get back to what he was and continue with the offense, but remember that his defense yeah. it got him into starting lineup in the first place, and the Bulls, I, I think, as a team, they've kind of followed their lead with the addition of Pau Gasol. Let's go to Pau Gasol. What is it from him you want to see in the second half? To me, uh, I think is the, the easy answer is probably on-the-ball defense. We know he can play down low defensively. He can be a good rim protector. We know he's fine offensively and looks fantastic. I think the easy answer is on-the-ball defense, but to be honest, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I And I think the Bulls can be fine if he still is an average defender. To me, with Powell, I want to see him continue with that mid-range jump shot, because right now, he's the only big. Out, I mean, Nico's been hitting the three ball, but he doesn't really have much of a mid-range game. He's the only Bulls big that can really step out about 16, 17 feet away and consistently knock down that shot. Uh, I'd like to see him continue to do that, and I think if he does, the Bulls are in really good shape in the second half. What's your one point? Well, what do you want to see Powell do really well? Well, like, like you said, the defensive issue, it is what it is. He's at that age where his defense is not going to get any better, so we just have to live with it. But the main difference between him and Carl Spoozer was that even though they were both good for a double-double per night, uh, Gasol isn't making the money that causes everybody to uh, jump on him for uh, decreasing on the, the defense. But it's, it, it's just like, he's just so good at basketball. And I, I think the one thing, if I had to pick one, would be to just continue to establish your mid-range game because we know he can do well in the post, but 
if you had to improve on anything, just uh, uh, go out to the baseline and find some way to create offense for yourself because everyone knows he can still drive to the post at his age. But if he could just extend that out in that system uh, that Tom Thibodeau runs, then it's going to be successful for them. But keep in mind, uh, he did shoot from all over the place under Mike D'Antoni, and um, he was not successful in a lot of those chances. He it was kind of underutilized or used the wrong way in Los Angeles. So he's got to be careful not to fall back uh. into what was shackling him the past couple yeah. of years. I, uh, we're moving through the Bulls' uh, regular rotation. Things we'd like to see in the second half. Uh, the key for each player in making the Bulls a good playoff team. We're keeping our responses about 15, 20 seconds, quick hitting, going through these players. Let's go to Joakim Noah. To me, uh, I mean, I don't need to see t- 10, 20 points from him a game. You know his passing's got to be there. To me, it's the on-the-ball defense for Noah that has to be good. It improved a lot throughout the first half of the year, but if the Bulls are going to be successful, they need to have a post player that can come out and guard somebody like an Al Hortford, somebody like a Kevin Love, uh, somebody like a Chris Bosh, depending on what's happening with his health health situation. To me, that's what Joakim Noah has to do. Well, Noah needs to find some way to play through that pain, and he has not done that a whole lot this season. What's happened with Noah, and it's kind of disheartening considering he was last year's Defensive Player of the Year, but Noah, he needs to find some way to just forget about the pain and focus on playing that tight-nosed defense that he has become known for. And he's the emotional leader of this team. When he plays well, he gets pumped, the Bulls get pumped, and they play better. So he needs to find a way to keep that up. It's basically what got him to where he is now, being that emotional leader and being that great defensive presence. But, sure. Uh, he needs to look at himself and realize, that, okay, this is what I need to do in order for us to win games. Because if we get to those big guns of the East uh, come playoff which time, there was them. Yeah. Yes, yes, Washington and Atlanta, uh, during which the Bulls do not match up well, uh, he needs to give that extra step, that extra pep to everybody who is on that floor with yeah, him because well, when he plays well, everyone does. Yeah, okay, so you, you want him to stay healthy, stay energized. I want him to play good perimeter defense. I think those are both good points. Uh, Mike Dunleavy, to me it's space the floor. What does that mean? Be a good passer, be a good shooter, be a viable option offensively. Space the floor if you're Mike Dunleavy. If you do that, the uh, the Bulls offense will be in good shape, I think, if they can have their number five guy, Mike, uh, doing his job. Well, Dunleavy, we, we kind of touched on it already. We did at the top of the podcast. We heard that he is possibly that one guy who is holding the starting lineup together and creating opportunities for uh, everybody else, uh, whether it's with his scoring, whether it's passing. I personally, I think it's more with his passing because yeah. he, he's not leading the team in scoring night in and night out, night out like some of these other guys are. He is the guy who is helping that flow for the offense and helps uh, get it going. He may not always be there at the end of games, but he is able to up that uh, offense flow to where it needs to be. I mean, think back to the late 90s Bulls. I mean, what did Luke Longley really contribute offensively for that team, for the, for the starting five with the Jordan Pittman, Robin, Harper? Can you think of anything significant he provided uh, uh, during the first few minutes of a game? Yeah, you're right, and I think that's kind of the same thing where where Mike just has to be that that spacer, 
that extra guy, kind of like Luke was, but at a small forward position. Let's go to Taj Gibson. Uh, here's a guy I think that could be important, Jeff, for the Bulls this year in the second half of the year. To me, Taj, what does he got to be? A bruiser. When Taj Gibson comes in, the other team has to realize that he's going to go down in the post. He's going to beat up your your uh, backup post player, your starting post player. He's going to make your guy work, and he's going to abuse them down low and be physical night in and night out in his 25 minutes of play. Uh, that's what I want to see from Taj Gibson. Well, what he needs to do is continue that two-way play that we've talked about because he's he's uh, devastating on offense. He's tight nose on defense. But what he needs to do, and this kind of goes to Tom Thibodeau more than anything else, he needs to be out there when the Bulls need rebounds because uh, I've run through some numbers on basketball reference I did when I was at work one night. And the best uh, two-player combination the Bulls have, uh, at least as far as rebounding percentage goes, are Pau Gasol, and Taj Gibson. That's no knock on Joakim Noah. He needs to be getting rebounds, which is what he's known for. He needs to play tight nose defense. But if that knee is really bothering him to the point where he can't help the team in close games, then he needs to get somebody who can't. And Taj Gibson is that guy. Pau Gasol, uh, I mean, yes, you got to watch his minutes at his age, but I think that's kind of a lost cause with Tibbs. Uh, he needs to be out there for rebounding purposes. And mm-hmm. uh, Gibson, uh, no, he'd be a power forward. Gasol could easily slide in at center. And if the if the Bulls need the ball in close situations, um, as, as much as I hate to bench Noah, um, and you don't want to go too big out there, uh, it, it might be a better chance for the Bulls to uh, – find some way to yeah. incorporate those two on the post yeah. ne- game. Next guy is Nico Mirotic. Uh, to me, it's very simple for Nico. Don't make bad decisions. Shoot the three ball with high accuracy, and you're going to be just fine. And that's when Tiff pulls him out. Is when he has turnovers, when he can't guard his player. If you keep your guy in front of you, keep the ball on your team's side of the court, and make your open threes, that's what the Bulls need from Nico Mirotic. They need those timely threes as they get to the end of the year. Well, Miritich, he, he was pretty good before, during the first couple of months, but since then, I, I think he's kind of close to hitting a wall at this point, to the, to the point, like you said, the, where Tibbs is pulling him out. What he needs to do is he needs to just uh, be that offensive option that the Bulls can go yeah. to. I, I mean, he, his defense, you know, I'll take whatever I can get from him, but the Bulls, they for as much offense as they have, you know, oh, they need to get contributions from everybody. And Miritich, you know, especially on the perimeter, he seems to be providing that much like Tony Kukoc did before. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Brooks, what do you yes. need from He's got an interesting one. Um, Brooks, it's tough to really say what do you need from him because he's like your seventh or eighth, eighth option. Uh, Brooks, to me, you know he's not going to play defense. He needs to hit those timely threes. If you're Aaron Brooks, the Bulls need a big three out of you every second quarter. They need you to play well with Rose down the stretch. A lot of times he's in in the fourth quarter, and they move Jimmy to the three. Uh, that's what they need from Brooks. They need timely threes, and they need him to be reliable in the fourth quarter when they go with that Brooks-Rose lineup. Well, the reason you're not going to get any defense from here is because Thibodeau's uh, He's fine, uh, philosophy, he... philosophy is that it's not designed to play defense yeah. for a backup point guard. I mean, we've seen it from Nate Robinson, although he was very intense. We saw it from D.J. Augustine last year. We saw it in the past with C.J. Watson and John Lucas III. But Aaron Brooks, he's played in every game this year. He's won the only he and Miritich have played in every game for the Bulls this season. So Brooks, not had a DNP. I thought I, I thought Nico at one point had a coach's DNP. Oh, but, well, well, I think he got pulled early okay. in the game, so that still counts as a game played. But in any event, Brooks uh, is there for offensive support for the point guard position, and Rose cannot go. 
and uh, Aaron Brooks, he has done a magnificent job uh, filling in on the nights when, or during the times during the game when Rose needs a rest, when uh, uh, Kirk Heinrich hasn't been in there. Yeah. Uh, but Aaron Brooks, he is maybe there for his offense. I can see why the Bulls picked him up. But really, any point guard can succeed in this system that Tom Thibodeau well, has put in place. What's... So I think he needs to just focus on making uh Easy, smart shots. Let's talk about Kirk. Uh, I mean, I know he played 20 minutes a game. The the team loves him. He's a locker room kind of guy. The players support him. He's supported by Coach Thibodeau. The front office and Paxson and company just absolutely love him. But if you're Kirk Heinrich, I mean, I really don't want Kirk to play more than about maybe 10 minutes a night. I'd rather see Tony Snell get those minutes. I'd rather see Brooks get those minutes. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler's already playing 40 minutes a night. You don't need Kirk to play more than 10 per game, and I hope uh, the Bulls do that in the, the uh, second half. So if, if it's Kirk, what I need from him, stay on the bench and be a leader is what I want to see Kirk Heinrich do. Well, yeah, stay on the bench and uh, be a leader. And, and you know, I think we should, we should use this to segue into another guy, Tony Snell. Yeah. Because Kirk Heinrich, he has been taking up the uh, – rotation spots, but his skills are greatly diminished. He is only, let's face it, only about a quarter of the player he once was, maybe a third of the player yeah. at best, and that means he's taking all these shots that probably wouldn't have fallen for him even when he was in his prime, and he seems to be doing more than is being asked of him, and more than he can do to any extent, so I, I think Tony Snell, as much as we love to knock him, he is younger, and what we saw during the past few games, when Tom Thibodeau gives him the opportunity, he knows how to score with the basketball, and you know he still needs a little bit more seasoning, but I think just for the sake of youth, and for the sake of increasing your offensive opportunities, especially now when it seems like the East is getting more offensive-oriented, you need to put Tony Snell in there instead of Kirk Heinrich, but that might take some yeah. convincing by somebody. And to me, uh, for me, Tony Snell is hit your it, – it's kind of like what we're talking about with Nico. Hit your threes and be a guy the team can rely on defensively and don't make mistakes. And that's really what it is when you, you think about a lot of teams in the NBA, especially the Bulls. You want your star players to make star plays. You want them to, to do what they're supposed to do, your top four or five guys. And everybody else, hit threes and play defense. That's really all you need your bench to do, uh, especially if you're a team like the Bulls. Okay, let's go into one. one uh, it was a crazy trade deadline day yesterday, Jeff. Okay. One trade, one player that stands out to you. Talk about him and tell me why you find it so fascinating that this player went to this particular team. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was Michael Carter-Williams being traded mm. from the Sixers to the Milwaukee Bucks. Go um, on. I, under I understand Brandon Knight uh, was in a contract here, so, and the Bucks probably didn't want to pay him, so they wanted to get something for him. Yeah. But I think considering all the moves that the Bucks made, they also got Miles Plumley and uh, who else did they get? Um, I'm trying to remember. They had one more player you got. Uh, Michael Carter Williams, you got Miles Plumley, and they got one more reserve that might not be bad. Go along with Jonas Antetokounmpo. I, I can't remember who the other player was. Was he from Phoenix? Did they get another guy from Phoenix? They I think so. I mean, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll look it up. But in the meantime, you keep talking. What happened was oh, – oh, here it is. You got Tyler Ennis. From, yeah, Tyler uh, Ennis. Okay. That's not really really an addition. That's a throwaway piece. A couple guys yes. on rookie contracts for a Brandon Knight whose contract was expiring, a borderline all-star who will probably get paid 18 mil per year right. uh, on his next contract. Right. But right. Here's what I find interesting, that the Bucks. 
um, at a time when they hold the sixth playoff seed, which uh-huh. is pretty remarkable, even without Jabari Parker. Um, even for the future, um, they decided to go younger and they decided to go more athletic, and that could Absolutely. be some promising uh, pieces for them, especially when Jabari Parker comes back next year. Michael Carter Williams, uh, going back to college and even into the NBA, he has proved to be one of the very young passers in the NBA. And I find this particularly interesting because they're in the Bulls division. So uh, they are going to try to be a nuisance for the Bulls and for the Cavs over these next couple of years. And um, although I will say that uh, I think if Brandon Knight was still with the Bucks during that particular time, then I'm pretty sure we've gotten them a few more playoff wins. And with this younger, uh, more athletic team, they might squeak out a playoff win or two this season. Yeah. But I'm not anticipating a, a whole lot more from them than that. So Although we could see some uh, something from them. We kind of go back to what teams like the, the Bobcats last year. They got swept in the first round because they were young. They were athletic, but they weren't experienced. These yeah. Bucks, aren't Jeff, you brought up Brandon Knight, and to me, I mean, I know we're going to kind of go over Goran Dragic and the fact that he went to Miami, which is a top uh, trade. We're talking all-NBA third-teamer this past year. To me, the, the, tr- the Brandon Knight thing is fascinating to me, because you lose Isaiah Thomas, you lose Goran Dragic, and you pick up Brandon Knight, who is still very young. Um, he's in his last year of his rookie contract, came out after his freshman year from Kentucky. He's still extremely young. He still has he has a ton of talent. We're talking an 18.5 assist guy from Milwaukee, and he doesn't turn the ball over. He can shoot the three. He's got a fantastic per. It's a guy that I think could be a really good player in the next couple of years. He's in that middle class. I mean, there's so many point guards out there, and you saw multiple, many of them traded. Uh, Dragic, uh, Knight, Michael Carter, Williams, all these guys, the Ty Lawsons. Um, these players that are just kind of muddled in the middle of the point guard pack, I think Brandon Knight has potential to take that next step and be a top seven or eight point guard up there with guys like Rose, guys, maybe not Westbrook caliber, but uh, guys in, in that like kind of John category, like a, like a John Wall type, like a Kyrie Irving type, like a Kyle Lowry type, that, that second tier after Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and maybe even Damian Lillard, who are, who are, I think, by far the three most bona fide point guards in the NBA, along with, of course, um, Stephen Curry. You have those four, and then you have everybody else. Well, Stephen Curry's more of a two. But the one slash two. Yeah, I got you. And I think if there's a guy that's going to make that step into that top eight-ish with those four, then a Rose, a Wall, uh, an Irving, a Lowry, that crew, it could be a Brandon Knight. I think Phoenix may have got a bit of a steal there. Yes, they they lost Dragic. Yes, they lost some role players, but they gained picks. They got younger, and they got a guy that I think could really shake up that Western Conference, especially with the talks of conference realignment coming up. I think Brandon Knight was a big-time pickup for, for Phoenix, and I'm glad. I think this makes Milwaukee worse as we get towards the end of the year. The Bulls right now, they're the number three seed. They would play the Bucks in the first round. To me, with the addition of Dragic out there to Miami, uh, outside of whoever gets the eighth seed, if you're the Bulls, you want to be three. You don't want number two, <laughs> even if Bosch is gone and playing Miami. You want to play a team with a second-year point guard, 
a second-year small forward as their, their two best players out in, in Milwaukee. That's a great matchup for the Bulls if they can hold on to that three, and Milwaukee has the six. And also, the 4-5 matchup would be Cleveland and Washington. So yeah. if one of those teams could knock each other out before the Bulls could play either one of those teams, you know, it would make it easier. Oh, sure. plus, plus, the Bulls wouldn't have to face either until the conference finals. Exactly, so, exactly. So I, I would be just fine with the playoff picture as it is to hold on to the end of the year. But uh, if we're still talking about the uh, trade deadline, here's the other uh, move or series of moves that intrigued me. The Oklahoma City Thunder were surprisingly active at the trade deadline. I mean, you'd think with that the crew that they would be able to do something, but so far they've only been able to manage the eighth seed. Sure. Uh, uh, but instead, they decided to deal away Reggie Jackson, and uh, they trade away Kendrick Perkins, and, and in turn they acquired Ennis Cantor and Steve Novak. They acquired DJ Augustine, Kyle Singler. Well, what that says to me is that the West has become a little too strong and a little... Oh, it's an arms uh, race. A, a, a little too young athletic yeah. for them. And and they, they kind of feel like their window of opportunity is oh, sure. either closing if it hasn't already closed. So what they've done now is that they've decided to uh, rebuild to some extent. They wanted to get new supporting cast members for Durant and for Westbrook. And you can even argue that Serge Ibaka is part of that equation, too. But the Oklahoma City Thunder... Um, until the Blazers really broke through this year, they were still uh, one of the teams to. They were still the team to beat in that uh, Northwest Division. But now we see themselves uh, being reinvented as going a little bit younger, getting a little bit of height or, or height rather, yeah. and they're going for a little more speed. And what, what's going to happen to them is they're going to have to find some way to. Uh, work those guys in the game plan around Durant and Westbrook. I mean, this is a different Oklahoma City Thunder team, and it, it may not pay off for them this year, but next year they might actually be able to make a run at Portland and some of the other teams. And it, it, I guess the other thing that I'm a little surprised about is you know, the Clippers uh, having fallen behind the Warriors. I, I kind of wish they would have done more at the yeah. trade down because it seemed like they stood pads and, and as entertaining as the Clippers have been the past few years, they've kind of been seeing that title to teams like Golden State, to teams like Atlanta. And the Clippers, they have had quite, quite a few uh, role players that have stuck around and, you know, they have a superstar. They got Paul, you got Griffin, you got DeAndre Jordan. But as entertaining as the Clippers have been, I never thought they were really a championship caliber team. And I think with all these other teams improving and just getting better, I think their window, if they even had any, is shut. Yeah. That'll do it for our podcast. We're the Bulls boys. That's Jeff. I'm Ryan. We'll talk soon, Jeff. Let's talk in the next couple of days. We'll get a podcast up maybe uh, over the weekend. How does that sound? Possibly. Okay. If, if, I'm, if either of us are available. Right, we're going to try. That's the Bulls Boys Podcast. Catch us 